Oh, what a beautiful time of worship. All right. So glad to see everyone this morning. What a blessing to see your beautiful faces and to stand up here before you to proclaim the word of God. Oh, what a beautiful time it is. And I'm going to say to you what Pastor has been saying for the last couple of weeks. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to read for you Deuteronomy 11, 26 through 30. And I use the NRSV version of the Bible. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, that I am commanding you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn from the way that I am commanding you today to follow other gods that you have not known. When the Lord Yahweh, your God, has brought you into the land that you are entering to occupy, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebel. As you know, they are beyond the Jordan, some distance to the west, in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Araba, opposite Gilgal, beside the oak of Mara. Let us pray. Dear Lord, please help us to always choose the blessing of you. Help us to choose your love and your ways above all else. Please teach us to love you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to hear your voice above all the noise and rhetoric of the society and of our culture. Let us be led by your spirit, not by fear or hate or greed, but by your spirit of love and blessings, your spirit of obedience. Lover of our soul, please teach us today how to walk in your blessing and avoid those things which so easily beset us. And Lord, today I call on you for Michelle's granddaughter, Michelle said her granddaughter needs prayer right now, Lord. So, God, we call down healing for her. Healing, Lord, wrap her in your comfort and your love. God, I know you're able to do all things exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or even imagine. So we lay her at your feet. And we trust you to care for her. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray. Amen? Amen. Sometimes we have our online uh, OUMC, and they might request a prayer or request something for us. So Michelle is online, so I want y'all to continue to pray for her granddaughter. Michelle, we love you, and we're praying with you. If you all will oblige me just for a moment, I, I want to take a few minutes to put this great word in context. 
For most of you, this will just be a bit of a review. But for some of you, it will offer a setting for this powerful story. See, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Pentateuch. Now, this Pentateuch is also called the Torah. Now, the Pentateuch or Torah contains stories about the creation of the world. The flood, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the children of Israel in Egypt, and the exodus, the time that the children of Israel spent in the wilderness before entering the promised land. See, these books also record the law of God, the one that God gave the people on Mount Sinai, which laid down the regulations for sacrifice, for worship, and for daily living. See, the writings of the Pentateuch are attributed to Moses. Yes, yes, yes. There are a lot of debates. There are always some debates. You should know this. So I'll lay that out. But most people attribute them to Moses. And these books tell the history of all creation, the sovereignty of God, God's love for all creation, God's faithfulness and God's provision. See, in the Torah, we also come to know God as the great I am. See, these books are also clearly, they lay out God's law. They lay out God's expectations and, and instructions concerning daily living and sacrifices for the children of Israel. See, in the last two books, we also find reminders of what happens when people rebel against God and reminders of what Yahweh expects from God's people. See, in Genesis, the covenant is established with the children of Israel and their descendants for generations and generations to come. In Exodus, God self-identifies as I am and tells Moses to tell the Israelites, I am sent you. In Leviticus, God instructs the people on how to consecrate themselves and establishes I am as the Lord their God. But this God also said uh, the people must keep God's decrees and follow God's instructions. I am the Lord who makes you holy. In the book of Numbers, the people get right to the borders of Canaan, right there to the promised land, and a rebellion breaks out. But God reminds the Israelites of what happens when we rebel against God and what happens when people follow God. When we follow God, God's blessing overtakes us. The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That's number 6, 24 through 26. And it tells us what God does to bless those who are obedient to God's word. Now, here in Deuteronomy, 
God once again reminds the children of Israel of God's expectations. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Pretty straightforward. Now here in our scripture today, we're introduced to one of Moses' sermons. Now Moses is telling the children of Israel when they entered the promised land, they are to renew their covenant with God. And they are to perform a ceremony in honor of the new covenant. God sent the instructions through Moses for the ceremony of a blessing and a curse. Now, I don't know if we have that slide in there, but if it is, go ahead and put it up. But... A blessing and a curse was set before uh, God's people. The ceremony took place during Joshua's time, and we find it in Joshua 8. But through Moses, God gave detailed instructions on how the tribes should be divided, with half being sent to the Mount of Gerizim, and the other half of the tribes being sent to the Mount of Ebel. See, the priest and the Ark of the Covenant were there in the valley with Joshua to read the blessing and the curse. See, Mount Gerizim, as you can see on the picture, on the left, and it's, it's south, and is known for its fertility and for its beauty. It is tree-covered and has abundant springs which contribute to its fertility. It is this mount which represents a blessing. Now, also I will say uh, that the tribes that went to that mountain were those who had consecrated themselves, who had done what God had asked them to do. See, the key to unlocking this blessing was obedience. Thus, we find love was not just a feeling. It was not just an emotion. Love was an action word. To love God was to obey God and follow God's ways. Now, in direct opposition, we have the Mount of Ebel. It is on the right and it is north. It is a little higher than Garrison, but just as the name implies, it is a bald area, a rocky and barren land. See, this mount was associated with a curse and which accompanied those who rebelled against God and those who disobeyed God's command. Now, if Pastor and I were these mountains, guess who I would be? <laughs> oh, Mount Garrison, right here. <laughs> and he accepts. 
Oh, it's good when we can laugh. God bless us. But between the two mounts lies the fertile land of Shechem. Now, these two mounts each had a natural amphitheater on the face of them. Though they were a mile apart, the acoustics were so good that Joshua and the Levites were able to speak God's blessing and curse to 600,000 people that were on each of those mounts. They spoke the blessing and the curse. And people were able to respond with a resounding amen. And everyone was able to be heard. Now, I got pretty excited about that little piece of trivia. Wow, look at God. I told Brett, I said, oh, what a choir would sound like right there in that amphitheater. People could hear you for miles around. Oh, what a band would sound like. Woo-hoo, we would light up all of Israel. What a beautiful time. But this feat alone makes it very clear how important it is for God's people to follow God's instructions and not to stray from them. Now, if the ceremony had been held outside of this area, there is no way Joshua and the Levites and the tribes would have ever been heard. And the power of God's renewed covenant would have been lost to some because they would not have heard it. They would have not even known that God had said it there. This also shows the sovereignty of God and God's great love and faithfulness to God's people. Oh, I get excited about that. But that's a little bit of trivia. You never know. You might be on Jeopardy or something. You might need to know that. But according to David Gussick and the Enduring Word Commentary, the old covenant with God had three elements. It had the law, the sacrifice, and the choice. If Israel chose to obey, then they walked in the blessing of the Lord. If they chose to disobey, they were cursed. Now, there wasn't any in-between. You chose blessing or you chose curse. But God wasn't going to let them alone. He was right there, no matter what. And the choice was clear. If you love God, you will follow God's command because obedience is better than sacrifice. To rebel against God's plan is to say to God, I know better than you do. I know what is best for my life. To choose your own way and to turn away from God is idol worship. Mm. This was the very thing God, through Moses, warned the Israelites against. Don't go worshiping other gods that you do not know. And God offered constant reminders, constant reminders against following gods that were not the great I am. God knows people have a short memory, and most of us know it too. It's always, what have you done for me lately? 
It's not what you did all this time bringing me up. It's what have you done for me today, this moment. So God was constantly reminding the Israelites of their history and all God had done for them. Oh, God parted seas, rained down manna from heaven, delivered water from a rock, demolished walls, and defeated giants to bless God's people. Come on, somebody. And although Moses' sermon was for those 12 tribes, it also speaks to us today. Today we are under the new covenant where Jesus paid it all. All our debts we owe have been placed upon Jesus and those who accept Christ as their Lord and Savior are given the righteousness of Christ. Woo! I get excited about that. We no longer live under the law because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. But we are still faced with the choice the choice of life or death. When we choose Christ and we obey God's command, we receive blessing upon blessing. But when we fail to follow Christ and we follow gods that we do not know, we find ourselves in an idolatrous situation. Just like the Israelites, Prosperity often tricks us into believing we got this. We got this. We can hold it in the road. See, we get confused and think we are blessed because of our own works, because of our own efforts. Oh, let me correct that function. We began to worship our money and our cars and our land and our houses and all those things that prosperity brings. And we turn away from the God that provided them for us. And we fail to follow God's instructions. Oh, my Lord. See, we find ourselves chasing after things instead of chasing after God. When we finally stop and we look around, we find ourselves in a barren place where our sin has led us astray. See, I want you to think about it. Let me give you an example. I want you to think about a building, a transatlantic bridge. Think about building that bridge all across the Atlantic to the other side. Now, if the calculations are off, and some of you engineers would know this better than I, but if the calculations are off, even a little bit, I think I read that even a millimeter would mess you up. But if you were off and you set out to build that bridge all the way across the Atlantic, I guess what would happen? You would end up in a place that you didn't intend to be. See, this is what sin does in our lives. When we, we, we start out right, oh yeah, we, we got the straight and narrow, we're working on that thing. But we get off the path just, just a little bit, just a little bit. But see, we keep going and going and going. And by the time we look up, we find ourselves far from where God intended us 
to be my Lord. We didn't do anything drastic. I mean, we didn't even do anything real evil. But little by little, following our own way, we've drifted away from God. See, we find ourselves in the spiritual desert of Ebal instead of on the lush, rich summit of Gerizim. Whether Old Testament or New, whether Hebrew or Greek Scripture, there are basic instructions we are all, we have to follow. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Study and follow God's Word. I mean, if you know nothing about God, how are you going to follow God? Gather with other believers, because iron sharpens iron, so you need this gathering of believers. And teach your children all of God's commands. See, as we know from earlier, love is an action word. If we love the Lord, we hunger and we thirst after righteousness. Our hearts long for his word. The psalmist says we meditate on God's word day and night. We hide that word in our hearts so we don't sin against God. See, the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's not just something we desire, it's something that we need as we walk through this dark and barren world. Mm, mm, mm. See, we need it for life and for godliness. Now, do any of you remember? I want you to, I'm going to take you back a little nostalgia. Let's go back a little bit. Hmm, close your eyes and think about this. Do you remember when you first fell in love? Oh, you longed to be in the presence of the one you love. You couldn't wait to know all there was to know about them. Oh, you would stay up all night long. I don't care if you had to go to work the next day. You'd just stay up all night talking, smiling and laughing, getting to know each other. And oh, when you were away from each other, your hearts were sad and could not find any peace until y'all were together again. See, being with that person made you feel whole and complete. It seemed like they were what had been missing all your life. Do any of y'all remember those times? Oh, oh yeah, I see it, I see it. Some of y'all said, we still in those times, honey. <laughs> amen and amen. Stay right there. You see, when we deeply are in love with God. We have that deep, loving relationship. We can't wait to be in God's presence. We are anxious to know all we can about God. See, there's a hole in our hearts that can only be filled by God when we accept Jesus. That's when we feel complete and whole for the first time in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. We realize that this is what's been missing all along. 
See, there is so much beauty in accepting Christ as the head of our lives. See, there is life and life more abundantly when we are in deep, abiding love with Jesus Christ. See, we can't wait to tell others about the goodness of God. We can't wait to share the good news. The love is so wonderful and so fulfilling. We want others to have the very same thing. We share it with our families and we tell our children and we tell stories of God's amazing grace. How it saved a wretch like me. Oh my Lord. We share our experiences and our traditions so our children will tell their children and their children will tell their children for generations and generations to come so they come to know God and God's faithfulness, and God's love, and God's sovereignty. So they come to know God for themselves. Ooh, ooh, I get excited. It's so important that we share the goodness of Jesus. Because when we share God, we're also sharing the promised blessing that comes when we follow him. We want that blessing to continue to flow from generation to generation. We want our children to have it. We want our grandchildren to have it and their children to have it. So we have to share it. A blessing and a curse have been set before us. Life or death is ours to choose. Obedience brings life while sin brings death. Now, most of us, if I asked you right now, do you want to die, you're going to say, no, no, no. I ain't quite ready. I got some things to do. And most of us don't want to die. We don't want to die physically. We don't want to die spiritually. Yet, way too often, I hear us say we are too busy to read the Bible, too busy to come to church, too busy to share the gospel, too busy to help the less fortunate, too busy for the things of God. Too busy. What? When we are too busy to do what we were created to do, which is love and glorify God, Houston, we have a problem. Might as well say amen. Amen. If you're too busy to honor God, the God that has blessed you and kept you and brought you to this time and place, then brothers and sisters, you're right. We are much too busy. And we need to rethink and reorder our lives and make God and God's instruction and God's commands a priority in our life and the life of our family. We gotta do that. We have to do that. Remember, people of God, when we put God first, all these other things will be added unto us. I mean, really, we, when we put God first, we don't have to chase our blessing. The blessing of God will chase us, run us down, and overtake us. Hallelujah! Choose you this day. Who will you serve? 
Will you choose life today? See, Christ offers life and life more abundantly. Please, please make Jesus your choice and allow God to bless your heart. And when we go out and we tell somebody else about Jesus, God blesses them also. Y'all, we are light in a dark and dying world. It's up to us who know Christ to lay on the altar for those who don't know Christ yet. To lay on the altar for our world that is in such a turmoil. It's up to us to say enough is enough. And use the power that God has given you, the power of prayer, to change the world. Now, anybody who would like the altars open, come. Come. Let's pray. If not for ourselves, for our children and our children's children, that they may walk in the blessing of God. Amen. Amen.